I have to remember that the greatest demonstration of the love of God that he is indeed for me, not against me, is that he did not withhold his son for me. Like he didn't withhold him. So that helps me like trust him when I feel like he might be withholding something in this world is that before I even knew I needed Jesus, you put into motion giving Jesus for me because you loved me. Somewhat anxious, always authentic. This is Real Life Loading. I'm your host, Shelby Abbott, and our desire with this podcast is to help guide you toward the life-changing power of Jesus for relationships in a constantly shifting culture. We're called Real Life Loading dot, 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 and those three dots at the end of our title describe being in process. We haven't arrived We're very much in a state of loading. And it's my job to be a trusted friend, to come alongside you and help you walk closely with God in the humor and hardship of life. Well, today's date was kind of hijacked by a controversial event in America's history recently, but I've always thought of January 6th as my birthday. And I've thought of it as my birthday because it's my actual birthday. And today I'm really grateful to have as my birthday guest, Part two of my time with Ruth Bethany. If you didn't get a chance to hear part one with Ruth, definitely go back and check that episode out. But to kick off the start of 2023, I'm thrilled to have my friend as a guest once again on Real Life Loading. Ruth and I are going to talk about how to process the feeling of prayers being unanswered and how to avoid distractions, people pleasing and apathy when praying. Uh, You ever struggle with that? Me too. Well, let's hop into it. How do you process prayers not being answered? Like unpack when we come face to face with things not working out the way we want them to in connection to prayer. Because that's a very, very common thing that Christians experience. And then they go, well, my prayers must not be listened to by God or they're just hitting the ceiling or maybe God's not real. And then people go to darker places. Can you unpack that for us? Yeah. Yeah, it's such a valid thing to press into. Um, And it's really hard. It's really Mm. hard to bring a longing or a desire, and it could be even for a good thing. Like I think about even praying for my grandmother, wanting her salvation. That's a good thing. That's like of the will of God um, and how painful it was. I remember prayer being even painful to ask God again. And I was like, this is actually just giving me a glimpse of God's heart towards the loss. Like in terms of how he yearns, this is a shadow of it. But um, I keep thinking about Psalm 62, 8. It talks about pouring out. It's this call to pour out your hearts to God, trust in Him, for He is a rock and a refuge. And so when I think about the unanswered prayer, it can be quick because we're in an instant gratification culture is to just like, all right, one and done, I'm done, you know? But again, the foundation of prayer is relationship. And so even in unanswered prayer, I'm meant to still pour out my heart to God. And that's actually where life is found. So even if it's saying to God, I'm disappointed, I don't understand. That's what God invites because that's what prayer is. It's relational. Yeah, it's a good prayer. 
it would be weird, like you brought in the friend analogy, it would be weird if you had someone really close to you and you just didn't even tell them what grieved your heart, you know, and they mm-hmm. want to know and how much more does God. And so that invitation to pour out our hearts to Him, even in the disappointment of unanswered prayer, there's also a forced humility that happens that we have to kind of grapple with and saying, God, you are God and I am not And sometimes that's a blessing. We feel the blessing of that truth. And sometimes it can feel so frustrating. It's like, God, I'm in this place because you are not moving in the way that I think you should or that I want you to. And I am having to humble myself before you and say, you are God and your ways are not my ways and your thoughts are not my thoughts. And so having to just kind of enter into that can be, it's necessary as we grapple with unanswered prayers, but it's also really hard sometimes to acknowledge that. Um, But I think one of the passages of scripture that has been I would say an anchor or a post in the midst of any unanswered prayer or prolonged, like when you're praying for something over many, many years, is the truth. And also Romans eight thirty two, where it says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Mm-hmm. And... I keep thinking, God, you might be, in my mind, you might be withholding something from me, you know, whether it's a change in circumstance or whatever it may be. But I have to remember that the greatest demonstration of the love of God, that He is indeed for me, not against me, is that He did not withhold His Son from me. Like, He didn't withhold Him. So that helps me, like, trust Him when I feel like He might be withholding something in this world, is that before I even knew I needed Jesus, you put into motion giving Jesus for me because you loved me. Um, And even Jesus giving himself for us because he loved us. And so, yeah, I would just say, yeah, in all of that, just he invites us to pour out our heart in the disappointment and the frustration. He invites us to humbly acknowledge he is God and we are not. And then he invites us to remember that he did not withhold his son. Yeah. That's always the anchor we could come back to in the midst of the storm. It's always where we can go. If he didn't, give us Jesus, then the chaos would actually be chaos. But our chaos in life is not chaos to him because we could always come back to, well, I, at least I know that God gave me his son. Therefore, he won't withhold anything that's necessary in my life right now. Everything else is mashed potatoes and gravy. Like yep. every, the, the meat is the gospel, but everything else is mashed potatoes. So we're dealing with mashed potatoes and gravy all day, every day. Let's not make them the main course. Which is, I think, exactly how you would put it, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mashed potatoes, gravy. Yeah. I love mashed potatoes anyway. (laughs) So obviously there are, for a young person, there are obviously tons of challenges in prayer. When you think about prayer, you think about, well, it's hard because I get involved with like daydreaming or kind of like what you mentioned, I'm not feeling like prayer works or prayer matters or that God hears me. And also when you do pray, like when we're in a group setting, we rehearse the prayer in our mind before we say it out loud, which is ridiculous because God could hear the prayer in our mind before we actually say it out loud. So 
How do you help a young person move into those challenges when they seem to be so prevalent amongst, well, pretty much everyone? Yeah. Yeah. I think like a big one that comes up a ton is that daydreaming. You know, I I try to pray and then my mind is like going to all the things. And so something that's been really helpful to me, and this is again, informed by scripture where, you know, in first Peter five, seven, it talks about casting our cares to the Lord or anxieties to him because he cares for us. Mm -hmm. And so again, that's an open invitation that whatever is filling my mind I can give it to the Lord. I can kind of cast it to Him. I can throw it to Him. And so practically, for me, it helps me a lot to say those things out loud or to write them out as a way of like releasing them, Um, not just intellectually knowing them in my mind, but actually saying, God, this is on my mind, and so I'm going to give it to you. And so, or even writing down if certain thoughts come up and you're trying to pray is actually just having a journal next to you and putting them there and have that be a way like, this is me casting my cares to God, you know, whatever comes to mind. Um, And sometimes, I mean, journaling, prayer journaling has been really helpful in terms of, for me, at least having there be a stream of thought. There's an engagement with the writing or again, even praying out loud if you're by yourself. um, That might feel weird to you, but I would just say embrace the weirdness. (laughs) It won't feel weird forever. And it can be this way of like, no, I'm actually in a conversation with God and it can help with the stream of thoughts. And to know that God is not surprised by our human nature. And so it's not like he's like, oh man, there's, you know, she's Jade. No, that's not his posture towards us. It's one of warmth and love. And um, and I think a big thing I've been thinking of this generation is just being aware of even how much we're consuming um, and how consuming can cultivate what we crave. It can impact even how we relate with God because it's like, oh, instant. I'm supposed to be able to do instant and not, it's uncomfortable then to be in any kind of stillness with God when that's actually really good. And so I would just say like, even press into what feels maybe discomforting and just be aware of what am I consuming and how is that impacting how I view God and how is that impacting how I view even praying to Him. And then even, yeah, that whole thing about not praying the right things, because that is a real thing in terms of group prayer. Um, For sure, yeah. Honestly, I think it it really does reveal how we care more about what other people think. And so with that... (laughs) Again, I'm going to be like, embrace the discomfort because it's going to be a death to yourself and your flesh of wanting to please other people and sound good. But that is not the goal of prayer. It's connecting with God. And I would just say you learn so much through prayer by the act of praying. Like there's a transformative part of that. And so even just embrace the discomfort and wonder, yeah, Lord, what might you root out as I just even by faith pray out loud when I don't feel like it or I'm terrified that it can be a way of killing the idol of pleasing people that hinders connection with God in the group context. Yeah, that's so good. (laughs) That's really good. Yeah, often the things that we struggle with, those are the very things that God wants us to specifically address So like daydreaming, what are you daydreaming about? Well, do you think God doesn't care about those things Mm -hmm. either? Even if it's like something you're wrestling with in terms of like sin, well, God wants to address that in your life so that he could turn those things around. Behind the, I got to figure out the right thing to say so that people 
you know, don't think I'm weird or I'm not sounding spiritual here. Well, that in and of itself is revealing something in your heart. I love that you're like kind of drawing attention to the very thing we're afraid of is the thing that God wants to use yeah. in our lives. Um, yeah, and even like seasons of not feeling it. There's been plenty of times. I think every Christian goes through that, right? Yeah. I'm like, there's tons of seasons where like, I just don't ever feel like God listens to what I'm saying or doesn't care what I'm saying or my prayers are too little. So it's not that big of a deal that I actually pray them. Well, just like anything, if you want to get good at a sport or an instrument or like medicine or, you know, anything, you got to practice, right? You got to actually do it and you become more comfortable and more confident in it. And God could use that to strengthen those muscles. Yeah. Yeah, and he really does. And even like the not feeling it, this is where it's like even inviting the Lord, like what is there? Like kind of what is underneath that not? And some of it could just be a season, but sometimes it's even a, I think I fear you in a distorted way. Mm. So what does it look like to see God actually as my loving father? What hinders me from seeing him that way that I would want to approach him? Or maybe it's even self-reliance. Like I don't like praying because I kind of like being able to do stuff on my own, you know, just, I would just encourage exploring the not feeling it and see if they're, and again, bringing the Lord into that relationally through prayer, but, um, just exploring that. And I, I feel like God is, he's kind and he's committed to us and his spirit within us can even reveal some things that are behind that not feeling it. And sometimes it can just be apathy, but sometimes there could be other things that's connected to how we actually view God too. Lean into it. That's good. And now it's time for three dots, three thoughts on real life loading. We'll get back to my time with Ruth in just a second. But this is where I share three simple ideas that could potentially change your life. They probably won't, but they could. Thought one. Most young people I know, when they go to buy a package of hot dogs, they buy the cheapest pack they can find, like the Walmart brand or something like that. But this is a mistake. I have a friend named Kayla who would call herself a hot dog expert as she's tried nearly every brand that exists out there in the grocery stores. So she knows what she's talking about when she says that the best brand you can get is Hebrew National. Now, I 98% agree with her to say that only Nathan's famous brand hot dogs give them a run for their money. So next time you hit up the grocery store and want to buy a pack of hot dogs, Pick either Hebrew National or Nathan's Famous. And trust me, you'll never go back to cheap hot dogs again. Thought two. If you're like me and you've already failed at one or several of your New Year's resolutions, I'd recommend that you go back and listen to my bonus episode with Dane Ortland that we posted last week. In that short conversation, we talked about New Year's resolutions and maybe trying a different approach to goals for the year. Check it out wherever you get your podcasts. Thought three. Since it's my birthday today, I actually want to break precedent and let you in on a little secret. I want to tell you what I wish for every year when I blow out my birthday candles. Ready? Here it is. Every year, I wish that I would walk with God for one more year. You know, sometimes thinking about running a spiritual marathon and walking with God throughout our entire lives can be overwhelming. I've certainly felt that. But one of the things that I've told students over the years of doing college ministry is this. If you want to walk with God in 50 years from now, 
just walk with God today. Tomorrow has enough trouble of its own, see Matthew chapter 6, so let's just concern ourselves with today. Smaller goals achieved incrementally over time turn into lifetime goals accomplished. Walk with God today. And when you wake up tomorrow morning, walk with God tomorrow. When I blow out my birthday candles tonight, I'll wish to walk with God for just one more year. And when next year rolls around, I'll wish for the same. Let's commit to walking with God together, one step at a time. This has been Three Dots, Three Thoughts on Real Life Floating. Now let's get back to my conversation with Ruth Bethany. She's going to answer some listeners' submitted questions from you all about the topic of prayer that will be super helpful for all of us as we think about talking with God. Let's hop back in. So I know that you reached out to a number of different college students and you asked people online what were some topics or questions when it comes to prayer. So uh, the first question that I want to address, explain why we pray if God already knows what we're thinking and what we need. Yeah. That's a great question. It's a really good question. Yeah. It's like kind of, it boils down to like, what's the point? You know, like, yeah, what's what, the point? Well, why do if we he do already this? knows, yeah. then why do I need to do this? Um, and again, it goes back to relationship. We are made to be in active relationship with God. And I love that even when Jesus teaches on this and even talks about the Father already knows all of your needs before you pray, that Jesus said that as an encouragement to pray. And it was in the context of um, saying, you know, the pagans, they babble. They use all of the words, hoping that they can be heard by God. And he's like, you don't need to do that. You don't need to babble. You can just be honest with God because he hears you and he knows what you need. But I just love that for Jesus, he's like, that should propel you to pray and to commune with God and be in relationship with him. But I think it reveals, again, a cynicism within our heart. We're like, well, if he already knows the kind of what's the point, the point is relationship, <laughs> you know, that's what we were made for. And so, um, that has been helpful for me to remember from Jesus. It wasn't this encouragement to actually move towards God. And again, it's, we talked about the context of friendship that it's one thing, and this analogy breaks down because they all do, but, um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but with God, you think about if you have a really close friend and maybe they heard that maybe your um, parent passed away or something really significant happened, but they heard about it from somebody else, but they knew that reality. They knew this ginormous thing happened in your life that really matters. It's one thing to know that your friend knows. You know, it's another thing to actually experience withness in the need and in the what is on your heart and mind. And obviously, God, He does know all things, but it's way different to know that He knows than to actually bring Him into that need and say, like, God, I, I ultimately need you even beyond the need. And I also need to be reminded, you know what I need more than even I know what I need. And so... Yeah, I think it's an encouragement to move towards him. It's good. Okay, another question was, how do we actually hear from God in prayer or after we've prayed? How do we know like, if God has answered or how, how do we hear from him? Yeah, so I feel like this is a, in some ways a two-part question is how do we know that he's heard us? And again, I'm going to keep plug in scripture because that's yep. how it, is it. For, 
Because it does, it really helps. And so I think about Psalm 116, 1 and 2, where I love this because the psalmist says, I love the Lord because He hears my voice. Um, and it even goes on in my prayer for mercy. And again, this the psalmist is praying in the midst of trials, but he says, because He bends down to listen, I will pray as long as I have breath. So if you just want even a prayer scripture, Psalm 116, yeah. 1 and 2. And so that is just knowing he bends down to listen and he does hear our prayers. But then I also think, I mean, if you write prayers, and this is another thing I would encourage, God answers our prayers. And again, it could not be in the way that we think. But he answers, I think, far more than we're aware of. We're such forgetful people or just be like, move it on to the next thing. And so keeping for me things that I'm praying about written down, I'm way more aware of like, oh, God, you actually, you answered that or you moved in a way I wasn't expecting. But now I see you are infinitely wiser than I am. And I can see that because I wrote it down. And so that's one way that I've actually seen God answer prayers. And it's actually helped me see when I can be very, I can forget. And then I just pass by like, God, you actually answered this prayer. And so that's, yeah, I would say that. And then listening to God, um, I don't give God a lot of time to speak to me. And He can speak to us in so many different ways, Scripture being one of them. But one thing I have done in times of prayer is I actually, out loud, in the name of Jesus, I'll ask Him to silence all other voices that I just want to hear His so whether that's an overanalytical mind, whether that's even the voice of the devil or other voices, the world, my flesh, even asking in the power, too. yeah, the power of Jesus to silence all other voices. And that has been huge in terms of then creating a safe haven for the voice of God to speak, whether it's through scripture, predominantly through scripture, but even other ways and just being okay with stillness too, you know, just like yep. being okay in that. So yeah. That's great. That's really, really good. Um, how do you, here's another question that came in. How do you cultivate intimacy with the Lord in prayer rather than only giving requests, which yeah. is, this is something I struggle with quite a bit. I come to God with my laundry list of things that I want and I need to alter the way I think about prayer. How do you cultivate intimacy with the Lord when you just want to ask him for stuff all the time? Yeah. And I, I say this because um, I, I think we win, you know, whenever we pray. Um, so whatever that looks like, even if it is coming to the Lord with a bunch of requests, that is moving towards God in some way. And that's a win. Actually, one of my prayer mentors, uh, Colleen, she taught me a lot about the importance of praise and thanksgiving in the context of prayer and how when we spend time praising God for who he is and we that is informed again through scripture it can even impact how we view our requests as we get to know the nature of God and praise him for who he is that has been huge for me. And so looking again, Psalms are, a, those are easier things to passages of scripture to pray through, or even 
it's fascinating to look through the New Testament and just see Paul's prayers throughout Ephesians and Colossians and Philippians. Um, yeah, even Ephesians 3, 14 through 21 is a beautiful prayer. And much of that is praising God for his nature connected to request. And so I would encourage people to go through scripture and say, what is true about God in the scripture? And then what would it look like just to adore him mm-hmm. through those truths? Um, even remind like, God, how have I experienced this? How, what would it look like to rest in faith in this nature that you are a loving God who's abounding, you know, in steadfast love and mercy and, your faithfulness knows no end and you are kind in all your ways. Yeah, Psalm 145, that's full of adoration to God. And so use scripture as a way of even helping you know how to praise God and how that could inform prayer and not just be all of these requests. But then it will help when you even bring your requests to him because it will be remembering, God, I just read that you are kind in all your ways so I can trust you even with this request that I'm bringing before you. Yeah, because request, bringing a request to God is, he wants us to do that. And it's not a bad thing yes. if it turns into that only, though. But yeah, it's like, I'd imagine a young person wrestling with anxiety and depression and mental health issues, reading the scripture and going, okay, if this is what you're actually like, God, let me just default to that and believe the best about you because that's what the scripture says. And I'll ask you for healing and guidance and direction in the context of knowing that you're good, you're loving, you care about me, you listen, that ultimately begins to change your relationship with God. It goes from Santa Claus to actual intimate relationship with the creator of the universe, creator of my soul, and that's a healthy thing. So I love that you're talking about this in the context of all prayer is good prayer. It's a win every single time, but how can we shift prayer in a way that makes it more of a robust, healthy, deep, intimate relationship as opposed to just bringing my laundry list of things to him. So love that. Very, very good. So I want to end with this question, Ruth. Um, you know, this show is called Real Life Loading, dot, dot, dot. And the dots communicate the fact that we're in process and things are kind of a bit of a question mark in some areas of our lives. And so I wanted to ask you, even though I may be able to figure out the answer (laughs) knowing you for the last several years and Adam, your husband, where is your life right now in a state of loading? (laughs) It's such a, yeah, we're currently right now, I'm in Orlando, Florida. We just moved here in August. So after how many years in Blacksburg? I mean, including my undergrad, 16 years. 16 years in one place, and now you've uprooted and moved. Yeah. Yes, and um, we don't know what is next. We really, everything, we just felt like the Lord was inviting us to put everything on the table in terms of our family and ministry. We still want to do ministry, but we were just sensing a shift, and I could not even tell you, these are the five things that we're praying about, considering it was just we need to, yeah, go to Florida and spend time um, seeking the Lord for what is next. And so that is a, when you said the question mark, I was like, that's it. It's like, what is, what's next? (laughs) And I don't know the answer. And so it's, yeah, it's this waiting uh, on the Lord and it's, I can't force him to move faster and waiting and experiencing that waiting on the Lord is a good and active thing. Um, But that's our question mark is kind of what's next for our family and trusting the Lord that he will make known what needs to be known when it needs to be made known. And 
Yeah, and that His goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and just resting that truth, whether I'm in Virginia and Orlando or wherever we're going. I don't know that it won't be void of His goodness and His mercy following us all the days of our life. So that's where I'm resting in the midst of a very big question mark. Yes, and (laughs) honestly, Ruth, I love that answer. I love it because I think a lot of times it's okay to be in process and live in the question mark because living in the question mark communicates a sense of neediness. And neediness always drives you to the foot of the cross if you're willing to listen to what Jesus is calling you to do in life. So, yes, I know that's true about you guys. I know that's going on in your lives right now. And I love that you answered honestly. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for being real. <laughs> Shout out for being real. <laughs> Shout out for being real. Uh, Ruth, you're a delightful friend. Thank you for being with me today. Um, I love Jesus more because of you and Adam. And I can say that with honesty. Thanks, Shelby. Likewise, this has been so sweet to have this time with you. And thanks for inviting me. Of course. Ruth lives her life as if she actually believes that God is real, he listens, and he moves in ways that she may not understand, but regardless of how he moves, she's trusting him because she believes he's good, loving, and completely in control. I love that about her and her family, and I'm super hopeful that you've gained some clarity about prayer today that may have been somewhat of a mystery before you got to hear my conversation with her. If this episode with Ruth Bethany was helpful for you, I'd love for you to share today's podcast with a friend. And wherever you get your podcast, it could really advance what we're doing with Real Life Loading if you'd rate and review us. And it's especially easy to find us on our social channels. Just search for Real Life Loading or look for our links in the show notes. I want to thank my producers, Josh Batson and Bruce Goff. I'm Shelby, the birthday boy Abbott. I'll see you back next time on Real Life Loading. Real Life Loading is a production of Family Life, a crew ministry, helping you pursue the relationships that matter most. Real Life.